How many have ever um, been in a position to where you had to ask for help? Maybe the situation was of your own making, or maybe it was completely external, all right? Maybe it was something that was outside of your control, but it, it ended up with you having to ask somebody for help. Anybody ever had to do that? Ever had to ask somebody for help? What is it about the human condition that makes it so hard for us to ask for help? Why is it so hard for us to stop and ask for directions? That's simple, right? That's not even hard, right? How many have ever been in that boat? All right. Why is it so hard for us to turn to our spouse and say, hey, I'm having a really bad day. Will you pray with me? Why is it hard for us to ask for help from a coworker when we know we're overloaded? Is it simply a matter of pride? Is it a matter of arrogance or attitude that we just simply can't maybe get over? Is it that we're taught culturally that we're to be independent and self-sufficient? So at that moment when you ask for help, you're no longer independent. You're no longer self-sufficient. So you're doing something wrong. Is it that we're afraid of rejection? Maybe when we ask for help or when we cry for help, that, that cry, that, that ask will go unanswered. Whatever the reason may be, many times we suffer and we struggle through both our physical and even our spiritual lives unnecessarily, all because we refuse to ask for help. How many this morning know that you can ask for help? But how many know sometimes we just don't? <laughs> you see, one of the things that I've grown to admire greatly about King David is that he was always seemingly able to ask for help. Whether his opposition was a bear, a giant, an army, an internal issue, a family problem, a kingdom crisis. We see David crying out to God for help and inquiring of the Lord for direction, instruction, wisdom, peace, joy. Whatever that, that situation or circumstance of his life demanded, he was willing to ask or to cry out for help from the Lord David learned very early on who and where his help came from. Psalms 121 in verse 2 declares, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Very clear, very precise. David was not mistaken in, in who and where his help came from. We know that in looking at the entire or the complete word of God as we have it, we can see multiple scriptures through the New Testament and Old Testament alike that reveal and confirm not just that God is a source of help, all right, but that he directly desires to be our source of help. And he desires for us to ask and trust that he will be that help for us. How many have ever struggled asking the Lord for something? How many have ever said, man, that's too small? So again, I've just, this week, I was stuck. I really thought I was going to preach something a little bit different this morning. I'd even discussed that with Pastor Stormy and kind of uh, given him maybe the thoughts of where I was headed. And then as I really sat down to dive into what I believe God led me to this week, he really just kind of turned it. And so I began to really ask and I began to wonder why is it so hard for us as Christians, as Christ followers, to ask the Lord for help? Why does it, why does it have to escalate into something just completely tragic? 
before we ask the Lord for help. How many have ever hesitated to ask someone for help because you knew their personality or character? And you knew, man, if I have to ask them, they're never going to let me live this down. They're going to they're gonna belittle me through this process. They're going to nag me. They're never going to let this go. They're going to hold it over my head forever. And so you know that they can help you, but you also know their personality. And so you're like, nah, I don't want it. I don't, it's not worth it. You've, we weigh it and we go, it's not worth it. Even though in reality, we probably really, really do need their help. At the same time, how many have ever hesitated to ask someone for help because you were unsure of what you may get? You weren't quite sure. There wasn't quite maybe enough of a track record for you to stick your neck out and ask them for help. Maybe, maybe there wasn't enough uh, established relationship between you to feel comfortable for asking. So what we're left with in that moment is maybe more questions than qualifications. Well, I'm just not sure. Anybody ever been there? Could it be that we often hesitate or wait to ask for help from the Lord because we have either forgotten the immense benevolence and omnipotence of his character, or maybe it's that we have never truly come to know and experience the magnitude of goodness and ability that is found in his character. David knew the character of God. How many this morning can say, I have experienced and encountered the character of God? David knew the character of God. He had already been convinced at this point in his life. He had tasted and witnessed uh, firsthand many times over the goodness and the faithfulness of God. He knew that the help he needed, the results he needed, the resolve, the breakthrough, whatever it was, that they were all found in and sourced from God and God alone. How many know sometimes here in America we get it real mixed up? We think our source is going to be our bank account. We think our source is going to be our employer. We think our source is going to be maybe our spouse or our family, our friend circle. But how many knows when it all comes and when everything in life really does hit the fan, everything we need is only found in and sourced from God and God alone. Amen. Psalms 40 and 1 says, I waited and waited and waited some more. Anybody ever felt like you waited David said, I waited and waited and waited some more, patiently knowing God would come through for me. Then at last he bent down and listened to my cry. When we begin to pull that apart, the word waited and the word patiently, as we find it here in this scripture, are actually the exact same Hebrew word, but they denote just slightly different things. Waited means to look eagerly. Anybody ever looked eagerly for help? And patiently means hopeful expectation. Anybody ever had hopeful expectation that help was on the way? You see, David was looking eagerly with hopeful expectation for God to show up. He wasn't randomly looking for that to happen or just believing that maybe by chance God would stop by and involve himself in his situation. His hope wasn't aimless, nor uh, his expectation arbitrary in those moments of life. He was looking eagerly with hopeful expectation on purpose, intentionally, because he had done something. He had invited God to show up. He had asked for help. How often do we struggle because we refuse to invite God into our situation? How often do we struggle because we refuse to truly ask God for help? 
He said, I waited and waited and waited some more patiently, knowing God would come through for me. Then at last, he bent down and listened to my cry. The King James reads, he inclined unto me and heard my cry. How many are thankful this morning that God listens? Amen? I'm thankful that he listens. You see, what this means is that God extended and stretched himself toward David as he listened with attention and interest. Catch that this morning. David was in a spot, and he began to cry out for help. And then God, instead of saying, no, boy, you got yourself in that mess. Instead of, instead of anything of that nature, what we see is God extends and stretches himself towards David with attention and interest. Can I tell you this morning, he will extend himself and is attempting to extend himself towards us this morning with attention and interest. How many believe that God is still interested in who you are this morning? He is. You see, what caused God to extend and stretch himself forward with that attention and interest was David's cry. It was his plea for help. And when you look at that word in the Hebrew, that word cry actually just very specifically in this instance denotes a cry for help. How many know sometimes we just need to ask for help? God showed up. God showed up. He intentionally interjected himself into David's life. Can I tell you this morning that God is still waiting to intentionally interject himself into your life, into your situation? Maybe that doesn't excite you this morning. It excites me because I go through a lot of mess. You see, David asked for help. And in that asking for help, it wasn't just, oh, God help me, and then he left it alone. What the word describes to us is that he asked for help and then he had this eagerness, this expectation that was hopeful that God was fixing to show up and do what needed to be done in his life. He said, I waited patiently knowing God would come through for me. How often are we in those spots of life and instead of, I know God's gonna come through for me, I'm just waiting to see how he does it. We're like, well... I don't know. I prayed, but I'm not sure he's going to show up. Get your Eeyore Christian self saved and believe that God is on the way. How many knows that God comes immediately? But he can also come in time. Because we see in part, but he sees in whole. Amen? How many believe that he's on the way? Sometimes it seems like we as believers, or even as the collective body of Christ, ask for help not out of faith, but out of some weird religious obligation. Well, I was taught that when I face trouble, I need to ask God for help. But there's no faith behind it. There's no hope. There's no expectation. And we aren't actually looking for God to show up and move. We're just saying empty words. No, I, I don't. We, come on. How many know sometimes we go through the motion? And we have no intention of expectation. We have no intention of believing that God is actually going to show up. We're going through, again, some weird verbal process or checklist. And, and, and that's what we're doing instead of making victorious faith-like statements. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, says, If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God. Everybody say the giving God. 
who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding and it will be given him. Only it must be in faith, everybody say faith, that he asks with no wavering or hesitating or doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates, doubts, it's like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. If we can't muster up the faith that is already inside of us and is the perfect measure and amount for what we need for life, if we can't rely on that and believe that God is going to show up, we should not expect to receive anything, right? You see, but when we believe and we allow that faith to be exercised, we can have that hopeful expectation. You see, David was confident. He was hopeful. He was expecting. He was full of faith. And we must find ourselves in that same vein of faith, especially in times when we are asking and crying out for God to come into our situation and help. Because faith that makes a hopeful expectant invitation should also be ready to receive results. If you have faith that God is going to show up, that same faith should be burning inside of you saying, hey, just any minute now, God is going to bring the results. He's going to bring the resolve. He's going to bring the answer to my request or my petition, the thing that I need. We should be ready to experience change in that moment. Amen? I waited and waited and waited some more, patiently knowing God would come through for me. Then at last he bent down and listened to my cry. But listen to verse 2. It goes on to say, he stooped down to lift me out of danger from the desolate pit that I was in. Out of the muddy mess I had fallen into. Now he's lifted me up into a firm, secure place and steadied me while I walk along his ascending path. David's invitation, his cry for help, came with expectation. But that expectation led him to believe that transformation was on the way. But then it led him to experience that transformation. At some point, he went from just expecting it to experiencing it. And can I tell you, God will move you there in just the blink of an eye. Expect and expect. And then when that timing is right... You will move from expectation to experience. You see, and as we do that, the first thing that stood out to me is, number one, that God changed his position and his posture. God changed his position and his posture. It says he stooped down to lift me out of the danger from the desolate pit I was in, out of the muddy mess I had fallen into. Here he was, secluded, restricted. How many of you have ever got caught in, in muck, mire, clay? It's easy to walk through, right? It's easy to get out of, right? No, he was stuck. He was secluded. He was restricted. But you see, God changed his position and his posture. The pit, again, was isolated and inescapable. The pit was muddy and miry, leaving him incarcerated and incapable. Yet God, in that moment, lifted him out. He was no longer confined, no longer incapable. God changed his position and his posture. Can I tell you that God will do that same thing for us today as we wait with hopeful expectation for him to arrive? The second thing that we notice is that God changed his foundation and his stability. God changed his foundation 
and his stability. It says, now he's lifted me up into a firm, secure place and steadied me while I walk alongside his ascending path. David went from the pit to the rock. Amen? Completely different atmospheres, completely different environment. He was no longer vulnerable. He was now secure. He was, he was no longer constantly struggling. Now he was consistently stable. I mean, it was God longs to do that for us today. You see, all of that was because he knew who to ask for help and who to hope in and who to wait on. Are we asking? Are we hoping? Are we waiting on that same hope this morning? David trusted the character of God. David trusted the character of God, and he trusted it to such a degree that he never hesitated to ask God for help, even when he did what even when he purposefully did wrong. How many knows sometimes we just screw up? But how many knows even in that moment, it's okay to go to God and ask for help? As a matter of fact, that's who you need to run to in those moments. You see, he did this to such a degree that he never hesitated to ask God for help. And he was always looking eagerly with hopeful expectation for God to show up and move on his behalf, regardless of the the circumstances surrounding the situation. Again, it could have been viewed as, as small and minute or just this mega issue of life. David just simply went to God for everything. He asked, he inquired, he believed with hope that God was gonna be his source and gonna show up on the scene. Do we trust the character of God? Do we today, as Christ followers, as the body of Christ, do we really trust the character of God or are we just kind of comfortable with the character of God as we find it in his word? There's parts of it that we like. There's parts of it that we really like. Then there's parts of it that we're not sure of and there's other parts that we're afraid of. But how many knows when you get God, you get all of God? And how many knows what he needs to get all of us? Do we really trust the character of God? How do we know that when we cry for help, he will extend and stretch himself toward us? How do we know that when we cry for help, he will actually listen with attention and interest and respond to to our need? Trusting relies on knowing Knowing the character of God. And while there are many scriptures and instances within the word of God that describe and detail God's character to us, the Lord simply reminded me of three specific instances that reveal these very aspects of God's character that we're talking about this morning. His ability to stretch and extend himself towards us and be that perfect form of help that we need. We see these characteristics in the good shepherd. In Matthew chapter 18 Beginning in verse 11, it says, The Son of Man has come to give life to anyone who is lost. Think of it this way. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one lamb wanders away and is lost, won't he leave the 99 grazing on the hillside and go out and thoroughly search for the one lost lamb? And if he finds his lost lamb, I want you all to catch that this morning. If he finds his lost lamb. Somebody remember your identity this morning. Amen. You belong to him. He rejoices over it more than over the 99 who are safe. Now you should understand that it is never the desire of your heavenly father that a single one of these humble believers should be lost. He doesn't want us to become lost. He doesn't want us separated from the flock. 
But in those moments where life does that to us, again, whether it was our choice or seemingly the the events of life, we need to understand that as that good shepherd, his character, his nature is to come and to find us and to rescue us and bring us back and rejoice over us this morning. We see these characteristics in the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, I won't read the whole entire story, but beginning in verse 33, it says, Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down and gave him, he gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine, and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. (laughs) Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words, Take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. How many knows the good Samaritan didn't have to get down in the ditch with the broken and the bleeding? But he did. He didn't have to stop and take the time, but he did. He didn't have to put forth the effort, but he did. He didn't have to put forth the finances and pay the full cost, but how many knows this morning he did? You see, we see these characteristics in the good father. In Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 20, it says, So the young son set off for home. For a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son, who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Verse 22 says, turning to his servants, the father said, quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes that you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he is alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. What we know about God's character this morning is that he is always willing to move towards us. He is always willing to move towards us. We see it with those passages that we just read. We can see that in every single situation, regardless of how the circumstances transpired, what we see is him going to where we are. He always moves towards us. He's always ready to extend and stretch himself toward us and attentively and and with great interest hear our cry for help. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter where we have been. It doesn't matter what we have done, what condition that we may currently be in right now in this very moment. When we ask for help, he comes running to where we are, ready to save us, to deliver us, to forgive us, to carry us, to rejoice over us, to protect us, to provide for us, to heal us, to restore us, and to welcome us home. You see, in this morning, that's just 
a minute fraction of his goodness and his faithfulness. This morning, we need to understand that if we're lost in any situation of life, he is looking for us and he's ready to pick us up, carry us home and rejoice over us. We need to understand this morning that if we're broken and beaten and we feel like we've been left to, or kicked to the side or whatever you want to describe that as this morning, that he's willing to get down in the ditch with us this morning and bring us out of that and to heal our wounds and to bring us to a place of safety and security where we can be healed and made whole again. He's ready this morning if we've turned away from him in any form or fashion to run back to us and to embrace us and to place us back in that position of sonship with him. But are we willing to ask for help? Are we willing to invite him into our situation this morning? If you would stand with me. He is always willing to move towards us. He is always willing and ready to extend and stretch himself towards us. Knowing who he is this morning, knowing his character, as we have experienced it in our own personal lives, as we see it represented within the word of God, knowing that he, again, always extends and stretches himself to us and listens with attention and interest, knowing that he desires to change our position and our posture as well as our foundation and stability as we go through these seasons and struggles of life. Let's not hesitate to cry out and to ask for help. Let's have that same faith that we see represented in the heart and life of David. Faith that looks eagerly with hopeful expectation for the Lord to show up and respond. This morning we may feel like maybe we don't need his help. Maybe right now we say, well, Pastor John, everything is put together for my life. To that I say, you should thank the Lord. But there are those around you who I know aren't living in that same bubble. And truth be told, we're probably not in that as much as we think we are. You see, the reality is there are people who need that Savior this morning. The truth is we need that Savior this morning. And we have to be willing to set pride and arrogance and attitude and, and doubt and worry and anxiety and all of those things to the side and simply say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. We need to believe this morning that he is our sole source. We need to be looking with hopeful expectation. What is it that you need today? What is it that maybe your spouse needs? Your children, your grandchildren, your loved ones, your friend circle, your neighborhood, your community, this country. Again, there's no shortage of things that, that we can be asking for help with. What is it that we need help with today? Again, great or small. Significant or seemingly insignificant in the grand scheme of things. It makes no difference to God. Isn't that amazing today? That when we come to him, 
and we ask for help, he doesn't say there has to be qualifying measures. He says it doesn't have to be of this size or this extent or to this degree. He just said, come and ask. See, it makes no difference where we are today. It doesn't change his desire to move and act on our behalf. All he is waiting for is for us to ask for help. He's just waiting for us to invite him into our situation. All he's doing is waiting for us to simply believe and look with eager, hopeful expectation that he is going to be our source, be our strength. He's going to show up. He's going to move perfectly and precisely at just the right moment. But do we believe that this morning? Do we trust the character of God enough to believe that and to live that way? Father, I thank you this morning. God, that you never leave us nor forsake us. God, that you are that good shepherd. God, you are that good Samaritan, that good father in our life. God, that your mercy and goodness literally pursue us every moment of every day. God, I thank you for your character. Help us today to trust that character. God, help us set every element of fear, pride, whatever it may be today. God, help us to set those things to the side and begin looking with eager, hopeful expectation for you to move, not by chance, but because we have specifically invited you and asked you and cried out to you for help. God, I believe your word when it says that you hear us when we pray. So God, I know what we do is not in vain. So God, help it to be by faith this morning. As we confidently cry out to you in faith, believing that you are our sole source of strength and hope today. Father, I thank you for it in Christ's mighty name. This morning, again, I don't know where you are, but I want to encourage you that if you are in a position and you need help, you know that what, what is on the prayer table, so to speak, cannot be done by you or be, by any other human form. And you know that you need God to step out and attend to your cry. I want to encourage you this morning to take a moment and do just that. To push all fear, all anxiety, all worry to the side. But pastor, I've been, I've been praying and hoping for this for X amount of years. Great, don't stop, continue. Rededicate yourself to that purpose this morning. Because I believe that as we do so, as we cry out in faith, I believe that God will show up. He is a responsive God. So this morning, no matter where you're at or what you may be going through, why don't we take just a minute and lay that at his feet, cry out to him, 
and just simply begin to believe with hopeful expectation that he's going to show up at just the right time. If that's you, I want you to come forward and find a place to pray this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you this morning to come forward and let us pray and agree with you that God is going to begin to transform your life as you surrender it to him. If you need prayer of agreement for anything today, come forward. Let's pray and agree together that God is our help, he is our source, and he is soon going to show up and do what he does best.